Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. This week, my guest is Simone Gannon. She's known on Instagram as Simone Scribes. She is a beauty and skincare enthusiast and writer and photographer. She's brilliant. We're not talking about skincare here, though. We are talking about anxiety that she experienced as a result of a really significant trauma. Now, so often my focus is on anxiety that can happen as a result of just, you know, daily stress that builds up and up and up. For a lot of people, though, it will stem from a very traumatic experience, something really isolated that sets in motion a chain of events that leads you to a point of of crippling anxiety. For Simone, it was incredibly debilitating. It got to a point where things were very bad and she is slowly but surely getting herself back to a point of wellness again today. And I'm so grateful to Simone for sharing her story with me here. So if you or anyone you know have been through something traumatic, be mindful of the fact that sometimes our bodies can take a while to show up with this anxiety. It's like we have to process what happened But at the time when it's happening, we feel like we're okay and we're coping because your body is in fight or flight mode. Your body has your back. Then when there's space opens up, when when the event has passed and things maybe start to settle down, that's when we can often find that these anxious feelings and symptoms start rushing in. And for some people, they can knock you completely to the floor, as was the case for Simone. So I'm very grateful to her for sharing her story. And I don't doubt that you will find it helpful if you have been through something traumatic. So please do share this with anyone else. Um, As always, appreciate your reviews, your feedback, your likes and your shares. Simone Gannon, also known on Instagram as Simone Scribes, which I think a lot of people think is your surname. I am so, so thrilled to have you on Owning It, the Anxiety podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be on here. Um, I've been following your podcast for quite a while. I think it's uh, covering a very important subject. Thank you. Well, you had messaged me a while ago saying that you had got my journal and I, I wish you had told me I would have sent you one, obviously. But <laughs> I hadn't realized to the extent that you were struggling with anxiety because I suppose what I see on social media, you're more in the kind of skincare beauty space. You're not necessarily sharing like everyday life or the ups and downs. So people might not know that about you. Yeah, it's it's not something that I've ever really spoken about. Um, it's only kind of happened to me in the last... 18 months, I suppose. Um, and, you know, online, like you said, I, I, I just talk about my work usually and, and my interests, which is mainly skincare and beauty. Um, but because it's, 
sort of become part of my life in the last while. Um, I'm pretty comfortable talking about it as and when, and and I think it's important to to be spoken about openly, you know, because it's it's happening to so many of us. Before we get into your actual story, did you feel that, and I, I'm always curious about this when people use social media so much, did you feel that it was only possible to continue doing what you do on social media if you broach the subject of what you're going through? Because otherwise then there's this massive gap between what you put out there and how you're actually feeling. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that I not that I felt I had to talk about it, but I felt I should because obviously it affects my day-to-day life. And I thought it was important to sort of let people know what was happening to me and what I was going through because, you know, sometimes I just wouldn't be online um, or, and it might be for quite a while. And, you know, in my, I have like my current Simone and my past Simone, my past Simone would, would be online quite a lot, but now I'm probably not there as much as I used to. And so I did feel that I needed to say, look, this is what's going on because otherwise, you know, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, I suppose, there's always arguments about the reality of social media and the realness and the fakeness. And I just felt that it's something I had to say because I have always considered myself to be somebody who's quite sort of um, straightforward and honest and, and I am who I am online as I am in real life yeah I mean it can definitely be hard to to share this side of ourselves online but not only does it help you feel like you can bring yourself to work today what in whatever way you feel like it doesn't negate your professionalism it doesn't negate your ability to do your work that you do but also the impact it then has on the people who you share with who say wow look at Simone who's achieving x y and z and and she's struggling with anxiety, you know, maybe I, maybe my anxiety can coexist with me doing other things. Maybe it's not a case of everyone just being perfectly well adjusted and only then are they successful. So it's a twofold thing of helping you and helping others as well, which I think is a no brainer. Yeah, I agree. You recently shared on Instagram more of a deep dive into your experience in the last 18 months. It's still pretty fresh for you. And I understand if this is going to be hard to talk about because so often people come on this podcast and they talk about you know, experiences of anxiety that are from years ago. And I think it's really important to talk to people kind of when they're in it. Yes, I agree. It's very much ever evolving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's no end date, you know, there's no like, right, you've, you've passed it now. There's no kind of timeline, like go through it for X amount of time and then and then you'll come out of it, you know? Yeah. And like I always say, look, it's obviously we, we'll get to it now that something really traumatic happened for you that brought it about, but we all have a stress response. We all have this, you know, fight or flight system that can be triggered for various different reasons. And we carry that through our whole life. So it's not about it just ever being switched off. And that's not a goal to have. Like we don't want to not have that. We want to have this two ways communication system with our bodies so that we're, we're checking in on ourselves. So it's not necessarily a bad thing though. It can feel really, really bad. So let's go back and talk about what happened for you. So you said it was only kind of the last 18 months. Would you say that you were someone who experienced anxiety before this happened to you? Never, never. And I I think that's, (laughs) that was part of why it was such a sort of shocking experience for me. I mean, I, it absolutely floored me because I have never experienced anything like this in my life. And I wouldn't have considered myself somebody who would even suffer from stress or you know I in the past anyway I was exceptionally laid back and nothing really phased me and you know very kind of optimistic person and and I think that obviously contributed to me not really understanding that I actually had anxiety for a long time I think I was kind of in denial because I thought 
this can't be what it is. You know, I, I thought, you know, I was quite ignorant about anxiety and I, I didn't really understand it at all. And I, I just couldn't accept that that's what was happening to me. Um, I think and that's often the hardest part. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it, for me anyway, that was a huge, huge part of it was actually accepting what was actually happening to me because I just could not accept it <laughs> for the longest time. So let's give the listeners a little bit of context. You had moved to the Middle East. Yeah. So we had been living in Dublin and um, a one year kind of opportunity had come up um, in Saudi Arabia for us as a family. And so we decided that we would go. It was just for a year. Why not? My son is uh, still quite young at the time. And we just thought, let's do it. So we had been to the Middle East before we'd lived there before. So it wasn't sort of a huge um you know, shocking thing to do. And we were quite sort of au fait with, you know, moving and all of that. So that was fine. Obviously there's elements of stress that come with moving anyway and, and moving overseas. Um, but our decision to go sort of collided with the um, beginning of the pandemic, which was really unfortunate <laughs> timing. And so it became a very, very pressurized couple of weeks for us in terms of getting out there. My husband went ahead of me and my son um, just to get things set up. And then everything sort of went a bit crazy here and restrictions came in and, you know, airports st started shutting down and there was issues with visas. And so we, we basically arrived in Saudi, I think the week or the week after, it was either a week or a week or two weeks before they shut down all international travel. So basically made it in there by the skin of our teeth and so that was incredibly stressful. Um, and I think kind of before that period, just with work and things, I think I had too much on my plate and I probably wasn't managing it all as well as I thought I would. So that was kind of a, a contributing factor as well. Um, and then we were in the Middle East and obviously everybody everywhere was in the midst of this pandemic and there was lockdowns and so on. and. The lockdowns were quite severe um, in Saudi and probably for good reason because they kept the numbers low for so long and we came out of lockdown a lot earlier than a lot of other countries but the lockdowns were quite strict and uh, we had curfews and things like that and that was quite difficult for us because we obviously had just moved there so we you know the whole experience of when you move to a new place just sort of went out the window we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't do anything um, we couldn't meet people and so on. Like that alone, I mean, you already have three different layers there, okay? So you've got just the natural, normal stress of moving, never mind moving to another country, add on the pandemic, add on that you had been juggling a lot, so maybe your resilience was a little bit lower. So that alone is enough for anyone to have more of a tendency towards maybe anxious thoughts, catastrophic thinking, feeling overwhelmed, all the physical manifestations of it. So do you, do you can you see now that that was already quite a foundation? Yeah, and I, and I can see moments in that period where I was sort of on the way um you know in terms of feeling anxious and you know wondering when I was going to see my family again and you know just things I suppose that kind of added up slowly but of course when you're in it like you said a lot of the time you don't know that it's happening or or you know that things are starting to add up um, and then we were there a couple of months and then my son was involved in a very serious um, accident and he was very badly injured. And um, I was there when it happened, um, sort of the, mo the seconds after it happened, I was there and 
um, I witnessed it and it was just incredibly traumatic because um, there was a period where we just didn't really know how badly injured he was and um, we had to rush to um, the ER and it was just incredibly chaotic and you know you're in a foreign country which is adding to things and you know confusion of where to go and how to call people and Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a lot to deal with no no family around to kind of support you guys through the logistics of that exactly and and we were you know exceptionally lucky that the um medical service is really incredible over there and there was some incredible doctors who um helped charlie and um eventually you know he came through it and uh, but it was just a really really traumatic period for all of us in the family and um particularly I think as well for me because I had so many visual cues associated with what had happened had a pro proper proper visual trauma situational trauma like if you know if you were ever in that space again literally in that space or you saw things that were to do with the accident anything that reminded you of it it was such a visceral thing for you yeah 100 percent um and I think because he was so little as well and as his mom you know you just go into you know mom and dad mode and it's just getting him through it and making sure he's okay and recovery and stability and familiarity and all of this and so we went through that for a while you know and then I, I sort of realized months after the fact that I was not able really to talk about it at all mm -hmm. I couldn't revisit it um and then sort of when friends or family would sort of ask me about it, I realized that I was telling them what happened in kind of bullet points, almost like a presentation as if, as if it wasn't me, you know, I was like presenting the facts. So oh, this is what happened. Yeah. You know, so I was very much disassociated from it. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, things just, I think, I don't know what, the, the marker was or the the moment in time I have no understanding of, of you know how these things work I, I know that sometimes trauma can manifest in weeks in months in years after things um, but for me it was a, a couple of months after the event my I, my body just basically started I don't know like just losing it in shutting in, down yeah and in really you know, like I said, I've no experience of anxiety. So I really it took me a very long time to understand what was happening. But in the beginning, it was sort of severe neck pain, severe muscle tightness, mm. headaches, which then moved into kind of um, this sort of wobbly head feeling as if I couldn't hold my head up on my keep it up on my neck. Um, my shoulders were incredibly tight. I had um, dizziness, um, very bad sort of nightmares. I couldn't sleep properly. I had a lot of shortness of breath, nausea. Um, I was getting tingling in my hands and my feet, um, hot and cold sensations. So like my hands would all of a sudden be freezing or my feet, my, my lips would go numb. Um, the tips of my fingers would go numb. And, and these symptoms sort of varied greatly every day. Like some days I would have some of them. Some days I would have all of them some days you know it was so severe that I just was taking Panadol and thinking like what is happening and 
and the headaches were getting so bad and the neck pain was so bad that I, I ended up going to see um, a neurologist and they did some scans and things. And, and he told me um, weirdly that he could actually see in the scan that my muscles in my neck were spasming. So he said, you know, you need to, you need to go to a physio. So I did that and you know, the, the tingling in my hands and feet was getting worse. And so I was in and out to this neurologist getting different scans done and nothing was showing up. And, and then I, I know now that that period actually contributed to me developing health anxiety on top mm -hmm. because I was so uncomfortable all the time, you know, really worried for myself because of these symptoms that were literally just knocking me off my feet. You know, every day I would get up and stand up out of, stand up off the bed and I was dizzy immediately nauseous or I was waking up in the middle of the night like gasping for breath as if I'd you know stop breathing in my sleep and it was just constant and I was on high alert all the time as well um, because of Charlie and I you know was dreaming about him being injured again and so I would hear like kids playing or you know like the way normal normal play you know screeching and roaring and and I would panic and my heart rate would go up because I would think he was injured again. And it was just crazy. You know, this went on for ages. I mean, really, I was just in and out of the doctors, tests for this, tests for that, scans for this. And then eventually one day in the house, um, I just collapsed in the kitchen. I was making Charlie lunch and um, I just lost the power in my legs. It just started creeping up my legs and the power just went out and the power went out in my hands and then it came up my arms and then suddenly I just couldn't stand up anymore. Um, it was like absolutely terrifying. Were you hoping that with all these tests, they would find something yes. tangible you could put your finger on? And how did it feel then when they did say they can't see anything functionally going wrong here? Oh, it made things worse. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah, I can imagine 10 times more anxious because I, you know, and I was thinking to myself, you, they must be missing something. How can I feel this bad? Like, how can my body feel this bad? And you can, there's nothing wrong. You can't find anything wrong, you know, but of course it's a vicious cycle, you know, because I'm going in getting all the tests done. Everything's coming back normal. I'm getting increasingly more anxious because I'm sure you know, and, and I was becoming quite obsessive about it, that something must be wrong because there has to be a medical explanation for why I'm feeling like this, you know. I know, and it just grows arms and legs. Like you say, you know, the anxiety around the health anxiety, the anxiety around well, what if there's something really wrong? Well, then what if they tell you there's nothing really wrong? Then it's like, well, am I just losing it? And that for me has always been the clincher, like the most terrifying aspect of any anxiety is like, it, am I actually able to manifest all of these physical symptoms because of my anxiety alone? Yes. And then of course the people around you, you know, who love you and are supporting you, they're hearing that you've gone for every test under the sun. It's come back negative. So you're, you're fine. And, and you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not fine. Something is really wrong. And they're trying to tell you, no, no, actually you're fine. You know, the doctors have said, and it's very frustrating because you feel like you're not, being understood that they don't get how bad you feel that surely they're missing something. I know well it's like doubly frustrating because anxiety in how it manifested for you it was a physiological thing it was a physical illness you were having headaches you were nauseous you were losing the ability to like you know your muscle function and stuff that's not like a perception or a perceived thing or it's not imagined like that's 
that's a stress response coming out in physical ways. So it is tangible. It's just that it's not the tangible thing you wanted it to be that felt separate from you. Like something that you could say, well, this happened for me. It was always like, I wanted to be able to say this happened to me as opposed to, well, this is me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's um, the scary part. That is the scary part. And, and it's the complete lack of control. You know, you have absolutely no control over what's happening you, to you. You don't understand it. Nobody around you understands it. And, and the people that were brought up, you know, to go to for these issues, any, you know, doctor specialist, they're telling you that nothing's wrong with you. So you're just, I mean, flailing around. So I would describe myself in that period, you know, I just couldn't understand. And, and, but obviously it all, it all built up and, and, and then I, I collapsed and, um, that was the turning point. And that was the turning point because that was absolutely terrifying. Um, I could not, I couldn't speak. I wasn't able to talk. I couldn't think properly. So I was really like my, you know, cognition went out the window. My neighbor came to rush me to the ER and I could not communicate with him what was happening. And both of my hands went into kind of claws. And I remember being worried that my fingernails were actually going to pierce the pads of my hands because I couldn't get them out and they were so tightly gripped. It was absolutely terrifying. I'm, you know, on the way to the hospital, I remember thinking I'm going to die because, you know, I, I couldn't really control my arms and legs. I couldn't think, like I put a full sentence together. I couldn't speak. You'd lost control in every way. Completely lost control. And then when I got to the hospital, I mean, they were fantastic again. God love them. You know, we saw too much of the inside of that ER and um, they thought I was having a stroke. So I was presenting basically with all the symptoms of a stroke. So they rushed me, um, blood tests and this and that, and they rushed me for a CT scan. And they said, no, no, you're not. There's, everything's fine on the CT scan. The neurologist came to see me and he said, okay, well, the next thing now is an MRI of your brain. You know, you're, you're presenting with all the symptoms of a stroke and oh my god I can't I can't be having a stroke you know I'm only 36 like this this is madness you know so they kept me in and of course I had the test and everything came back clear nothing nothing you know every I had every test every blood test everything you can imagine it was crazy and uh it was kind of funny in the morning in the hospital I was in the room and my husband was there and my son and and the neurologist came in and he said you know Simone the good news is that you are incredibly healthy (laughs) and you know my husband was like what like there must be something and he's like no she's she's incredibly healthy (laughs) like and I just remember laughing thinking god this is hilarious like the irony of it that I on paper you know physiologically was incredibly healthy and 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 then he said it and it was the first time anybody had said it or broached it and he said you know Simone we think that you have had a massive anxiety attack and that we think that you in fact have chronic anxiety. And this is this is the manifestation of that. Like this is the culmination of what's been happening to you, what you've been going through. You know, there's been no connection sort of between, because in my head all along, I felt that I felt fine. And this was the thing that I never, you know, correlate. I didn't feel that, you know, I felt stressed and occasionally overwhelmed, but I certainly didn't feel like, in the depths of despair. And I wasn't sort of, you know, looking at, at my body and thinking, you know, I was thinking, God, this, 
this must be all connected in some way. No, I was looking at them as, as two completely separate entities, you know. Your thoughts hadn't caught up with your body yet. I mean, the mind was on a different planet to, to your body and your body was trying to communicate with you in very, very severe ways that you needed to, to take a breath and pay attention. Exactly. And, and I think it was the neurologist that time who said to me, you know, ultimately he said, what's happening is that your, your body and your mind have stopped communicating. And here we are. <laughs> so. Did any part of you at that time think, do you know what, maybe this makes sense given what I've been through? Or were you in complete, like, what could you possibly be talking about, Land? I think I was incredibly shocked. I mean, that's the initial feeling I remember. It was just thinking, like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, don't, this is not this is not anxiety. This cannot be anxiety. You know, my head is bouncing on the pillow. Like I have these incredible headaches. I feel like my head's going to split open. You know, this cannot be anxiety, mm. you know, and, and my husband, who's very calm and very practical, you know, he said, but Swan, of course it is. Of course, this is what it is. You know, look at what's happened over the last couple of months and, you know, look what we've been through and, and look at everything we're juggling. And of course this is, you know, and, and, and I remember thinking, yeah, okay, well, you know, maybe that's what it, you know, but absolutely not accepting it in any way. I now realize <laughs> actually not accepting it, just agreeing and sort of going, okay, really? Wow. That's yeah. But no, like, I, you know, no understanding, no acceptance. No, that takes a long, that takes a long time. And so often we think of anxiety as such like future oriented. And so at the time you're like, well, I'm not having any thoughts where I'm worrying about the future. My, my thoughts are fine. But for a lot of people, anxiety can creep up on them and it's like a response, a delayed reaction to uh, something that they've been through, a significant change or something traumatic. And it could be years ago. And what sounds like happened for you, and I'm sure, you know, therapists or psychologists have explained this and it's very, it makes sense when you kind of step back from it, but like your fight or flight mode was triggered the entire time through that process the period of the the accident and trying to rehabilitate your son back to feeling well again that you were on like probably adrenaline you were highly functioning anxiety you were getting through it your body had your back your body was doing what it needed to do to get you through it and you felt fine and so often people are like you lose a parent and they're like why am I coping as well as I am and it's that your body is trying to give you the extra like turbo boost to get you through and then when you get to a point where things settle or maybe maybe it correlated with your son starting to come back to himself feel a bit better maybe that the threat system had calmed down and somewhat and then this space opens up which then floods in with all of the the processing that has to happen with what you went through so this like it's like when you stop at Christmas and everyone gets sick it's like you create this gap that needs to happen at some point and it all came flooding into you but because your mind was on such a different planet to your body your body was trying to communicate with you and the only way it knew how to do that was to give you symptoms so that you would pay attention and then it cranks it up a notch more and more and more until you're quite literally falling on the floor and until you're willing to close that gap between maybe this is more of a mental health thing than purely something physical having happened to you and only then I would say did it maybe start to kind of calm down a bit for you? I think very marginally because I think by the time I had that moment like you said where I realized okay hang on you know I was so far into it yeah um, it wasn't going to go away overnight no and I actually had really good um advice from the neurologist I was seeing he said 
you're going to have to think about how long it's taken you to get down here. Yeah. You are not going to get up quickly. You know, it's not going to be weeks. It's probably not even going to be months because it's taken you so long to get to this point. And he said, you need to accept that your recovery is going to be incredibly slow, you know, and, and probably incredibly frustrating. But he said, you know, accepting that it will be a huge thing. Once you accept that you are not going to just wake up one morning and suddenly feel better, because I was putting so much pressure on myself, you know, to God, there's so many layers to it. It's, it's kind of hilarious. You know, like once I realized I did have anxiety and I did start to accept it, of course, then I went into this huge project of box ticking exercises for anxiety. I'll do this. I'll do this. Read the books, do the recommended everything. But then, of course, that adds another layer of pressure. You're ticking all the boxes, but you're not feeling any better. And then that makes you more anxious. <laughs> oh, like 100%. I mean, I didn't go through anything near the extent of what you went through, but like word for word, in terms of like the mental relationship with this, I, I can relate and so many people can. And it's, there's such, I remember doing an episode with a neuroscientist and you know, I used to put myself under this massive pressure when I would have a panic attack and then be like, oh, okay, I'm anxious. And this is why I'm anxious. And when you get clarity on why you're anxious, that's one part of the process, but it doesn't, there's a big gap between what you know cognitively and what your body can feel physically, because like your, your, like your neurologist said, like all of the hormones, all of the stress fuel that would have taken to get you to that point, it's not going to go away overnight. And then that's massive pressure and more anxiety. Think, well, if I, if I realize it's anxiety, why can't I think my way out of it? And you cannot think your way out of that deeper hole of an anxious response. It's going to take so much time. And what the last thing I learned, the last piece of the puzzle for me, and only very recently has, has this come into play, is that like patience with yourself and that self-compassion and not be like, why can't you just be better and snap out of this? That's probably the hardest part of the puzzle. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I mean, it's a lot of it is you putting pressure on yourself to feel better and to function at the level that you had previously functioned at, you know, trying to get through day to day and work and everything else at the rate that you usually did. And when you can't do that, it's, it's very frustrating and you are very hard on yourself. And often then that makes the symptoms worse because instead of, you know, instead of saying, okay, I'm not feeling that great today, so I'm going to take it easy or something has come up and I know actually that will probably make me feel quite anxious. So I'm not sure I'm going to do that. So I might do this instead. You know, at that period, you're not thinking like that. You haven't got there yet. And so you're only able to sort of try and barrel through like the way you used to. And when you can't, it makes you more upset and more anxious. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Is there any part of you that is now obviously like you know no parent nobody wants to go through what you went through with your son but is there any part of you now that feels more I suppose grateful for the experience of anxiety to bring you to that point of having such you know a clear communication between your mind and body that it this will never happen to you again this will never creep up on you again and get to this extent because you know now like you say okay maybe to step back out of work for a while maybe to you know pull in and pull out and manage it better I don't know, to be honest. I think I think it's a double-edged sword because I think in one way what's happened has certainly taught me about where I put my energy and you know how I approach things and, and the space I give in my life to people and work. And for sure I was spreading myself incredibly thinly and and definitely that's opened my eyes to a new uh, balance in my life. But on the other side, I am still a hundred percent, you know, in the midst of this. Um, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still experiencing ups and downs. Um, I only recently started taking anxiety medication to try and sort of get through this period um, where I, I felt like I was doing everything I could and I have a great GP who had sort of said to me, do this, do this, do this, and then come back to me if, if you're not getting where you want to be. And it wasn't. So I went back to her. So she said, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll try medication now to help you, you know, get there because you can't do it by yourself. And, you know, I'm not grateful for that. I do wish that I wasn't experiencing this because it is still hindering me quite a lot. I mean, I'm certainly... I'm certainly feeling so much better now that I can look back and realize how incredibly bad I was and also how far I've come. And I am so thrilled that I can see that now because for the longest time, you know, of course you feel like you're not making any progress at all. Um, But now for sure, I feel like, yes, I've come a long way. Yes, it's much clearer, but I still wish that it hadn't happened. And what do you think you're obviously in a much better place now, but as you say, you know, it's, you've got a long way to go and it's like an ongoing process of just managing it and checking in with yourself. But what has made the biggest difference to you to, to feel better physically and to feel better emotionally? And also, I mean, for me, one of the biggest parts of anxiety is fear of it kind of happening again in the future. So what's your perception of it now? Like, how, how do you feel about anxiety? I think it's made me respect myself a lot more and um, respect my time. And like I said, where I put my energy Mm -hmm. and what I put my energy into. 
So I've certainly learned a lot about that. You know, there is a point where if you keep stretching yourself, your body will snap or your mind will snap, you know, and I have learned that the hard way. So I definitely understand it a lot more from that perspective. And, and it's given me a lot of clarity there. Um, in terms of coping mechanisms I and triggers as such, I, I certainly am a lot more in tune now with you know, in the past, I would try to sort of just push through, you know, feeling dizzy or feeling extremely tired or, you know, feeling a bit overwhelmed. Whereas now, because I know how bad it can get, I am super quick off the mark with myself, um, with knowing, okay, I'm not exactly sure why I kind of call them flare ups. So one day I'll feel great. And then the next day I'll have, you know, a flare up. And so in that day, then I will just changed my approach. You know, I'll just, you know, I don't know, like try and reduce my workload or I will try and get outside a bit more. Like, uh, you know, I'll try and go for a longer walk with my dogs or, um, I will make time to do yoga that evening, or there's certain things that I just know for myself, you know, help me create a little bit of space where I, where I, where I think to myself, yeah, I'm feeling bad today. You know, it hasn't been great, but that's okay but that's okay. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. And hopefully tomorrow I'll feel better. Whereas in the past I was, you know, it was catastrophic thinking all the time. Like this is a bad day. It's only going to get worse. I feel so bad all the time. Whereas now, you know, thank God I'm able to sort of compartmentalize a little bit and say, this is just a bad day. And how do you feel about being on medication? Like I'm very open about it. I'm still on anti-anxiety medication for me. It's just one part of the whole piece of you know managing it and I suppose for me at the time when when I went on medication first like like you like my body and my mind my hormones and everything had taken such a battering that I needed something to just take me up a level so that I could then benefit from things like yoga or going for a walk because I was trying all those things and I was feeling you know like being scraped off the floor you know and so how, how do you feel about that is it still something do you struggle with the fact that you're on medication or are you accepting of it and are you are you kind to yourself because it, is it is it helping yes I am delighted <laughs> to be honest to be on the medication now because I have experienced and continue to experience the benefits of it and again it's given me a bit of clarity in that I realized that now that I did need it um I think you know in my case anyway there was only so far I could go on my own and I had really um, sort of not fought against the idea because I'm all for medication when you need it. Um, but, I, you know, I just thought, no, I can do this. You know, I can get through this and I, I'm going to be OK. And and I had to sort of get through that period and realize that actually, no, I couldn't in order to sort of accept, OK, you know, I went to see my GP. And, and like I said, she had said to me, you know, give it a few months, you know, you're back home now and you know, give yourself a break and try and get out a bit more and do more. And you're going to see your family and, and let's, let's do that first, because sometimes that goes a lot of the way. And so I said, great, let's do it. And so we did that and it just didn't get me as far as I wanted to go. And my physical symptoms were incredibly overwhelming still, especially the neck and, and the shoulders and headaches and really, really bad. And I went to my GP again and I was very overwhelmed at that point because again, I was sort of going back into this cycle of why do I feel so bad? Why am I not getting better? You know, I'm ticking the boxes. I'm doing what you said to do. 
you know, I, I definitely was improving, but I think not as fast as I wanted to. And, and sort of, I was kind of inadvertently putting pressure on myself again as a result. And so I went to see my GP and she said, look, Simone, um, you've done everything you can, you know, you've done everything that's been asked of you. You are doing great, but you, you just can't get this, you know, this last bit by yourself. And so I think it's time for you to, to try medication, you know, and, and she said it, it doesn't work for everybody. And there's different types. And she said, I'm going to give you one and, and maybe it won't work for you. And maybe we'll switch you around. And, you know, she was so great about it and, and sort of talked to me about how I would feel the first few weeks and, and, you know, the side effects I might experience and that, and that it's not a light bulb moment. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and you're cured, you know, that it's a process. And, but I, I can't believe the difference in myself since um, I did start taking them. And I'm so grateful for that. You've, you've come so far in addressing all of those, you know, really debilitating aspects of anxiety. How are you doing with processing the source of it all in the first place, which is going back to that time? Is it something that you've had to work through with a therapist? Is it something that you feel like is necessary to talk through to get to a point of like letting it go? Or, or, or what's your thoughts on that? Like, is it something that you just try and draw a line under? I don't, I don't know, because I've never been through something like that. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely still my weakest link in all of this. And it's still a huge um, issue. And I have worked um, with a psychologist for weeks and weeks and sort of on and off, we take little breaks and then we go back and, and it is still incredibly difficult for me to sort of revisit. Um, I'm not really I'm not really there yet. And I don't know if I will ever get there either. Um, and, and I'm sort of getting to grips with that because, you know, we're always kind of taught, you know, to face it head on and deal with it. And, and then, and then you sort of, you deal with it. And so you're like, okay, I'll put that away now and we're good. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to ever get there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what it is. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's enough to just know that that was the source of it, but you don't need to unpack it any further than that. Yeah, and and I think me even thinking, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to ever get there with it, actually has helped me some of the way because, you know, there's a, a period where I, you know, I was like, I need to deal with this because I'm not dealing with it. And sort of that puts more pressure on you. And I think I've tried to deal with it in the best way I can. And, and I'm not sure you know, I just can't really access it probably in a way I should. I don't know. But with something as traumatic as that, like I think to get to a point of accepting that it happened and that this is where you are now and that maybe you'll never get there to that point of being able to like revisit it. Like maybe that is a, that's the healthiest form of it for you. Maybe. I mean, I, I have sort of tried the approaches, you know, that people recommend in these situations. And, you know, I have um, had counseling and, um, you know, I've read a lot about PTSD and I've had specific counseling approaches for PTSD. And, you know, I've researched other forms of therapy like EMDR and different things that deal with trauma. And, and I'm quite happy sort of with my progress in that respect mm-hmm. but, but equally like I said I'm just I'm not sure I'll ever really get into it and 
And maybe that's okay. I mean, maybe it will change, you know, months or years down the road. But for now, I'm kind of okay with, you know, just putting it over there <laughs> in a box and just leaving it where it is for now. How has it changed your, how you feel as a parent? I mean, I can imagine if it was me, I know I can't imagine, but one could imagine that it would make you fearful of ever letting your child out of your sight. How, how have you coped with that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a process. Um, certainly the first few months and, and even the first, yeah, probably the first year I would say after it happened, I had, you know, huge uh, separation issues being away from him, you know, a lot of catastrophic thinking that things would go wrong, that, you know, the worst things in the world would of course happen while we were apart. Um, you know, sort of hyper vigilant, hyper alert of, um, everything he was doing and everywhere he was going. And, you know, a lot, there was a lot of fear. And I think sort of as I progressed through sort of dealing with my anxiety and, and, you know, counseling and, and the various approaches along the way, I think it did lessen. Um, and I, I certainly know now at the point we're at, um, it has improved significantly. Um, you know, obviously I let him go to school. <laughs> so, you know, there's, you know, and he goes to play with his friends and I'm much, much better than I was. Um, but I'm for sure still anxious. I mean, for sure, I still... I'm still probably more worried than sort of the next person about, you know, where he is and, and what's happening and, you know, who's with him and what things could potentially go wrong. And I think the most important thing there is, is not to get to a point where you don't worry at all, but to understand that, of course, you worry to the extent that you do, because your your primary role to take care of him was completely threatened and torn apart by that experience that just maybe accepting that that worry will always be with you to a certain extent is maybe okay. You know, like it makes a lot of sense. Anyone would understand why you would feel and behave and think the way you do after what you've been through and you can't undo it. You just have to move forward with the resources that you have now. And I guess the, the cognitive behavioral therapy type of stuff of knowing, okay, well, let's look at the facts here. He is safe. He is okay. And where's this coming from? Well, I know where it's coming from. Like all of that can be at your disposal, but you can't undo the way you think and feel about these things because they were so significant to you. Yes, completely. And, you know, I think part of it is that, um, you know, we're still kind of confronted with it every day. Um, you know, Charlie's injuries, which he has recovered from, thank God, um, have left scars and um, we can still see them and they're still visible uh, every day to us. So, you know, it, it's, it's something that we kind of just have to deal with every day. And I think definitely as time passes and as we've tried to deal with it, you know, that the power of it has kind of been reduced very slowly over time. Um, but it is still there and I'm not sure it will ever really go away. And so it's, it's, we've just kind of learned to sort of make it the normal fabric of our day. Yeah. That's just the tapestry of your life together and more time and distance from it will can only help and all the work that you're doing like you're doing all of the right things and I mean I know you say you're still in the midst of it but you sound like you're in such an incredibly good place even if some days are bad and some days are better that's the main thing is that you know overall you're you're trending towards feeling better considering where you came from 
if anyone's listening now who has gone through something traumatic and obviously it's all relative, like whatever it is for that person and they are maybe haven't tapped into the fact that what they're feeling is, is linked to that. What would you say? What, if you could go back in time, would you do anything differently with yourself or what would you say to someone who was, who was you maybe 18 months ago? I would probably say, you know, there is a lot of value in just sort of sitting down and thinking to yourself, okay, you know, could something else be going on here? You know, take your foot off the pedal because we're all terrible for that, you know, just powering through and everybody's so busy all the time and there's no time, you know, for yourself and to think about what might be going on. And sometimes I think if you know anything about anxiety or, or, you know, if you have an inkling that it might be what it is, I think if you just sit down, sit with yourself for a moment and have a conversation with yourself and think, okay, what's been going on with me? Like really realistically, if it was your best friend who speaks to you brutally, you know, honest, whenever there's issues, what would she say to you? Would she say, come on, you need to slow down. You need to offload work. You need to get help with this. You need to speak out about this, you know, you kind of need to be like that best friend to yourself and, and say, you know, ultimately you want to feel better. So you need to have an honest conversation with yourself and lay down what's happening. Um, I know for me, if I had done that for myself and really, when I think back, I knew that there was too much going on, but I just refused to, you know, it's this, I don't have time and I'm too busy. And ultimately doing that was to the detriment of my own health, you know, for a long period of time. Whereas if I'd kind of been able to take a step back and, and been, you know, truthful with myself, um, perhaps things wouldn't have, you know, gone the way they did. How do you feel now? Are you, are you able to be proud of yourself for how far you've come and, and, and how is your self-compassion like on this day? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm really proud of myself. Um, I think I'm a lot more compassionate and easy on myself than I would have been before. Um, just because it brings it into sharp focus. You know, if, if you refuse to listen and you go your own way, this is what is what can happen. And it's so, I mean, I know there's so many different facets to anxiety. For me, it was very much physical and it was so all consuming for me. I mean, it affected my day-to-day life and my work and being a mom and my energy levels. And, you know, it was so bad that I never want to go back to that, um, you know, and, and I think it kind of <laughs> scared me so much that now that I'm coming out of it, I'll be slowly, I never want to go back. And, and I know now that there is the possibility of coming out of it and I am moving slowly in the direction I want to go and God, nothing will get me off that path. You know, I want to keep moving in that direction. And the only way I can do that is by being, you know, gentle on myself, by being compassionate for myself and sitting down and taking a break when I need to and saying no to things that I know are going to stress me out and saying no to work that I would love to do, but ultimately I just don't have the capacity for. You know, it, it's, it might sound a little bit harsh, but you know, there is no room in my life now for you know, people or work or situations that are going to take away from me getting better. I just can't afford to 
go backwards. You know, I, I kind of refuse to do it. And so I've become very protective of, you know, my time and my energy and, and where I put it and what I do and how I look after myself, because I just, I, you know, I'm not sure I could deal with the alternative again. It was just too much. Your well-being now is your top priority and that like trumps every other kind of success that, you know, the traditional markers of success of money or, you know, number of followers you have or anything like that. Your your family's health, your family's well-being, your well-being, that has to come first and foremost and nothing is worth ever compromising that again in the future. Not not that anything you're doing were, but you just have such clarity now about making sure that doesn't happen. And hopefully that is something that will see you through how has it been talking about it here with me? Yeah, it's it's been great. I've kind of realized in the last while, I think probably since I started taking the anxiety medication, that it's helped me get to a point where I'm feeling so much better that I'm now only delighted to talk about my experience in the hopes that it might help one other person. It will help more than one other person, I can guarantee you. You know, it's when, I mean, you know, Caroline, like when you're in it, it is honest to God, it's, you just feel like you'll never get out of it. You know, you feel like you're in a tunnel and you just cannot see the light at the end of it. It's so consuming and overwhelming. And, and certainly, you know, some of us go through it for longer periods of time than others. And I'm just so grateful and delighted that I'm feeling, you know, better. And, you know, I, I do think, my approach certainly contributed, but for me in my situation, definitely the medication helped me get there. And it's given me a lot more sort of clarity on, on the situation. And so I'm, I'm only thrilled to talk about it, you know, to let people know that it doesn't matter how bad it gets, like it, eventually you will start to feel better. And it, it might not be the huge leap that you want. It is small steps and, and, in my case anyway, it was certainly accepting that it was small steps because I really wanted to make huge strides. And, and I think, you know, that made things worse for me. So accepting that it was small steps was really a, a turning point for me, you know? Small steps and self-compassion. Simona, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with me and being so willing to go into things that I know are difficult to talk about, but I know you are passionate as am I about normalizing these things for other people like you say and, and and knowing that there is there is light at the end of the tunnel no matter how bad things get you know with awareness and with the right people around you and the right tools and resources you can come back to a sense of balance and yeah i'm just i'm really really grateful for you coming on and, and chatting with me about something that is so personal and will i know i really know will has helped me and will help so many people so thank you for being your amazing self thank you caroline i really appreciate it thank you for inviting me on here i think this is fantastic what you're doing you know talking about it and i think it's really important ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before. <laughs>